All right, you all say good morning, good morning, let us begin. I want to begin by thanking our sponsors for this morning. Sure to thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Shvat, to thank Brachas Shumber for dedicating all the Shumer and Joshos this month in memory of her husband, Avi Shumber, Avram ben Kalman Eliezer Halevi, Zichron the Brach, we open under the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama Havan Aliyah, and the family in Nechama. We thank Avi Tobias for dedicating all the Shumer and Joshos this month in appreciation of the Shir and of the Ribbono Shal Olam's incredible Torah. We thank our Day of Learning sponsor, Mr. Lawrence Sufnis, in commemoration of the Yartzeit of his beloved wife, Tanya Rosemary Safnis, Zuchon of the Bracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, then a Shamal have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. And with that, let us begin. We have a beautiful, beautiful daf out of us today. Actually, a lot to do today. Today's daf is daf tes. We are picking up on Ches Ahmed Bey's 8b. And we left off, I believe, at the two dots before the Mishnah. So really a lot to do today. Va'aron imam Remember again, the Mishnah said that halacha lemaisa. You could fashion a coffin on Chalamaid as long as you're doing so in the same courtyard in which the, in which the deceased is, is, is present. That way, again, people understand that the malacha that you're doing is not for stam malacha, but rather, again, but rather, again, for the sake of this mace. So the Gemara says, Tanina Osin we in general on Chalamayit, we take care of all of the needs of the deceased. Goes is in Losaro, we cut his hair. Umechabs in Loksuso, we launder his clothing. In other words, when we say launder his clothing, if let's say you need tahrichim, if you need a shroud, a clean shroud in which to bury him, we can go and do that. And we can make a coffin as long as the boards were ready from before Yom Tiv. So says, even if you don't have boards, as long as you have cut wood, you can go ahead and fashion them into boards, but you would do so ultimately again with sina privately inside of a home. Good about say that ends the sugya. The shulchanar happens to pass in halacha ma'asin arachayim simit tov kof mem zayin sif yud osin kol tzarche hames bechalal shalmoid. We ultimately we take care of all the needs of the dead. Now we'll say, one thing you can't do is, you can't cut down trees in order to make boards to make a coffin. But assuming that the boards, right, the wood is already cut down, you could fashion into a coffin. Again, there are qualifications for that. But I will say, but we do accept the premise of the Mishnah, which is that you can't do anything proactive. So for example, we can dig a grave on Chalamayid, if what? If I need the grave, if I need the grave. But it's time to dig graves so that there are graves available that I cannot do on Chalamayid. Beautiful. Bosai Mishnah, great sugya. Ain't no you can't get married on Chalamayid. Can't get married on Chalamayid, which I will say, if you think about it, what a great wedding time. Right? Chalamayid, right? Anyway, you're not working. Right? Ideally, a person is not working. Can't get married on Chalamayid. Lo besulos, not if it's a literally is a virgin. He's a first marriage. Below almanas, not widows, not a second marriage. Below miyabmin, and you can't do yibum. Why? Because it's a simcha, and so we'll see exactly why that's a problem. However, what can you do? You can, if you divorced your wife, you could remarry her on chalamayid. Why is that? Rashi says simcha kolkach. Okay, it doesn't need such an explanation, right? I guess you know. Come on, come on, right? So it's not, it's not such a great simcha, and therefore, again, you could go ahead and do that on Chalamayid. A woman could prepare her adornments. 
And again, we'll discuss what those takshitin are. Takshitin often mean jewelry. But in this context, we're going to see it doesn't just mean jewelry. It means that she's permitted to take care of certain grooming needs. Yehuda says she shouldn't go ahead and... We'll say women sometimes used to apply sid, some type of plaster ointment to be used as a depilatory on the face. Rashi says over here, So she would apply some type of cream on her face. Sid literally is plaster. This is some type of mixture to remove hair. But the idea is, first of all, when it's on, it doesn't look good, obviously. And it could also be that it was initially taken off, there'd be a reddishness, right? So therefore, because it could make her look unattractive over the course of Chalamayim, she shouldn't do it. The Gemara says, A hedyot, which means a non-skilled individual, is permitted to sew on Chalamayim in a normal fashion. But if someone is a skilled, let's say, seamstress, so what's the right? seamstress? Boy, I don't know what the male form of a seamstress is. Taylor, thank you. Taylor, machliv. Machlid means they go ahead and they will see, they sew with the shinui. They sew with the shinui, an imprecise stitch. You can go ahead and arrange the ropes. Remember again, we've seen this before, that in Mishnaic times, the bed, the bed frame was essentially a frame with a series of ropes, right? Interlaced ropes. And you'd put the mattress on top of that. So you can make those ropes on Chalamayr. Rabbi Yossi Omer Mimatchin. Rabbi Yossi says we could do it, but we have to do it loosely. Again, we'll define that in the Gemara. So Rabbi Yossi Bechi Simchu Lo Mayhavi. So Rabbi Yossi the Mishnah said you can't get married on Chalamayr because it's a Simcha. So what? So what? What's wrong with it, right? Is, is, first of all, just fakir, it's the opposite. We're speaking extensively about the idea that you can't do things which detract from the simcha of chalamayid, simcha of yantiv. So again, if getting married causes you simcha, I would think that we should encourage marriage on chalamayid. To which the Yimar, Rabbi Yehuda Mishlal is incredible. Rabbi Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Oshia, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Shein Ma'arvin Simcha B'Simcha. Wow. Now we'll say because you can't mix one simcha with another simcha. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, "The imar ben simcha besimcha kilomar ba'inon delismach besimchas moy lechudei." We both said the idea over here is we want you to be besimcha, but we want your simcha to be the simcha v'yamtiv, and we don't want that simcha mixed with any other simcha. In ma'arven simcha besimcha. Then I will say, now you you ask yourself, what's the svara behind that? The svara behind that is Chazal were concerned that one simcha ends up eclipsing. Right or dominating the other. So the idea is Chazal want us to experience. I will say this goes back very much to Mishnah Yomi, also about living in the moment. Chazal want us to experience the simcha of yamtiv. And the problem is, if I get married, the simcha of marriage, you know, becomes the dominant simcha and eclipses eclipses the simcha of yamtiv. Therefore, in ma'arvin simcha b'simcha. But say you know the the Rishonim bring down that this is also very much this is similar to the concept of Ein Osin Mitzvos Chavilos Chavilos, which is an interesting idea, right? We don't bundle mitzvahs, because when you bundle things, you tend to erode the sanctity or the intensity of each experience. Really beautiful. Rabbi Barafuna Amram Neishamaniach Simchas Ragavah Osei V'Simchas Ishto. Supposedly we have a couple of different reasons. Rabbi says, no, it's not a den of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha B'Simcha, that you can't mix. Once, we say, which, by the way, the concept of Ein Ma'arven Simcha B'Simcha, once again, is such a profound yesod about the idea to live in the moment, right? So the idea is, it's Yantiv, experience Yantiv, experience Yantiv. You're getting married, 
experience the Simcha of Yantiv. We don't want you bundling experiences because then effectively you really don't experience anything in its totality. It will say, isn't this one of our greatest contemporary challenges? We're never really in the moment. We're never really in the moment, right? When I'm at home, I'm thinking about work. When I'm at work, I'm thinking about home. When I'm at Shir, I'm thinking about the meeting. When I'm at the meeting, I'm thinking about Mincha. When I'm this, I mean, halavai, we should be thinking about Mincha. We're never really present. We're never really present, right? We know this. A person could spend hours with their family, and yet so little of it is actually quality because I'm not really there. I'm not really there. And Chazal said, experience life. Experience the moments. In ma'arvin simcha b'simcha. Enjoy the simcha of Yom Tiv to the exclusion of anything else. Enjoy the simcha of the chasana to the exclusion of anything else. Be present. So Rabbah says a little bit differently. Rabbah says, We're concerned about something else. We're concerned that if you get married in Chalamai, a person is not going to be attentive to the needs of Yom Tiv because they're going to be much more focused on the needs of the chasana. So the Gemara says, So says, A person should rejoice in Yom Tiv and not rejoice in his wife. Ula Amar, Ula says, Because of the exertion. See, I will say what's going to end up happening is if a person gets married in Chalamaid, what happens? That's a lot of preparation. That's a lot of Tircha. And therefore, what did we say before? You're not allowed to engage in Tircha Yisera on Chalamaid. And therefore, a person shouldn't get married on Chalamaid. That's Ula. Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha Amar, Mipnei Bittel Piria Verivya. But say, this is that thing. So Rabbi Yitzchak Nafcha says, no, there's another problem. What's going to happen? You're going to be Mevatel, you're going to negate the mitzvah of procreation. I will say, now what does that mean? This is incredible. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, We'll listen to this. If people know they can get married during Chalamayid, we'll say, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? People aren't going to get married during the year. Why not? Chalamayid is such a great time to get married. Right? First of all, it's Yom Tiv, Right? The whole worker she off from work. Second of all, you already have to make seudos over yantiv. If you already have to make seudos over yantiv, just chaparayim, use one of those seudos as your wedding seud, and it's so much easier. So what does it mean it's, gonna, it's going to negate period of Arivia? We want people getting married all of the time. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. If you go in and you allow chasanas and chalamayim, they're going to concentrate chasanas over yamim tovim. So sukkis and pesach, there'll be a heavy wedding volume, and the rest of the year, not so much this could lead to a decrease in period of Arivia, the Gemara's concern. So therefore, which it turns out, we have three different interpretations. Why can't you get married in Chalamayid? So number one, Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Mesimcha. Number two, Mipnea Torech Tircha Yisera. And number three, Bittel Piria Berivia. Says Gerame Svei, Kol Elusha Amrasur Nisa Bamoed, top of test, Mutar Nisa Erev Harega. So I'll say in all of these situations where we said, you're not allowed to get married in Chalamayid, you are permitted to get married Erev Yamtiv. I says the Gemara, Kashya Lekulhu. Kashya Lekulhu. Lo Kashya. To which the Gemara says, doesn't dispose a contradiction to all of the previously espoused opinions. To which the Gemara says, no. I'll tell you why. Simcha, Eker Simcha, Chad Yoma. See, here's what's interesting. You would think that according to all of the logic espoused, that you shouldn't be able to get married on Erev Yamtiv either. Because what happens if you get married on Erev Yamtiv, Rabbi when does Shema Brachas extend into? Yantif. 
Yantiv. So while it's true that the actual technical marriage has, take place, has taken place on Erev Yantiv, Sheva Brachas essentially takes over the entirety of Yantiv. Should that not pose all of the previously espoused problems? To which the says, no, I'll tell you why. Lamadar Mishum Simcha, according to the opinion, it says we don't get married Chalamad because in Marvin Simcha Simcha, Iker Simcha Chad Yomohu. Right? Really, I will say, as much as the Sheva Brachas, the real Simcha Vachasana is when? Is when? Is the day of the wedding. So as long as the day of the wedding is Erev Yom Tiv, that's fine. That's fine. That Shevar Brachas are going to extend on to, into Yom Tiv, that does not erode the Simcha of Yom Tiv. The one who's concerned about Tircha, the real Tircha, right? The real exertion for a Chasana is when? When? The day of the Chasana. So as long as it's happening before Yom Tiv, the fact that Shevar Brachas extends into Yom Tiv, we're not worried about Tircha. Beautiful. And according to the opinion who says that we're concerned about Bittal Pir of Rivi, that no one's going to get married during the rest of the year, Lechad Yoma Lomashi Inish Nafshe. See, I say, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, since I can't go ahead, since I can't go ahead and anyway get married on Yom Tiv itself, if all I'm left is one window of Erev Yom Tiv, people aren't going to delay weddings throughout the year just for one day. Incredible. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, so again, so therefore it turns out that the Gemara advances three reasons why we don't get married on Chalamai. Number one, we don't want to intermingle the Simcha of Chasana with the, with the Simcha of Yamtiv, thereby erode each of the Simchas. That's really what's happening. Erode Simchas Yamtiv, erode Simchas Chasana. That's number one. Number two, Tircha, the effort, the additional effort involved in putting together a chasana on Chalamait. And number three, Bittal period Rivia, concern that people are only going to get married during this time on Chalamait. And lead to a negation of our, our, our diminution of procreation throughout the year. Now, I was saying that out of the three, we're going to see the Gemara really adopts the approach of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Besimcha. That, that, that's, really, that's really what the Gemara adopts. So, the Gemara says, Where do we know that from? From where do you know? I will say, because think about it for just a moment. You can make it a counter argument also. How beautiful is it to bundle simchas? Right? To bundle simchas, right? Simchas come. Let's see, you know, you see it even like in a smaller context in shul, right? On a Shabbos where there's like a bunch of simchas, it, 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 it amplifies the atmosphere of simcha. It doesn't diminish at all. You feel like, wow, this is absolutely incredible. So the Gemara says, from where, so where do you know the concept of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha Besimcha? To which Gemara says, listen to this, Tichsev, Vayaz Shlomo Ba'isa, he esachag, the Chol Yisrael Imo, Kal Godl Milavo, Hamas, Ad Nacham Mitzrayim. So we'll say, it's talking about the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash. That when Shlomo HaMelech made a great Yom Tiv to celebrate the completion of the Beis HaMikdash, all of Klal Yisrael is with him, from the Vol Hamas until, until Egypt, with national Okenu, Shivas Yomim, the Shivas Yomim, Arba Asar Yom. So we'll say, listen to this. The dedicate, the celebration of the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash was for the seven days prior to Sukkis. So it was seven days of, of celebration for the Beis HaMikdash that then led into the seven days of Sukkis for a total of 14 days. V'im Isa, was the first one line, V'im Isa, Dema Arvin Simcha B'Simcha, Yibay Leil Mintra Adachad, Umei Aved, Shiva Lahacha Ulahacha, because if you were indeed allowed to combine Simchas, then I said, what should Shalom Aleich have done? In other words, remember the Beis HaMikdash, they're celebrating for the seven days before Sukkis. If you could really combine Simchas, what should Shalom have done? What should he have done? Do everything together. Because we'll say, especially the Beis HaMikdash, where there's a din of Aliyah L'Regel, people have to come up anyway. So if they're already coming up for Sukkis, 
just make the seven days of celebration for the Beis HaMikdash the same seven days of Sukkot and Shalom HaYisrael. That would be incredible, right? The fact that Shlomo doesn't do that indicates to us what? The fact that he breaks it up and he does seven days of celebration for the Beis HaMikdash, then seven days of Sukkot tells us, This is the paradigm, which is interesting. So just to point out, this is not a biblical concept. Not a biblical concept, but rather, again, a concept gleaned from Shlomo HaMelech. Well, maybe not, it's different. Because there, you could say that the Beis HaMikdash was already done earlier. So to dafka, like, delay a simcha till Yom Tiv, that you can't do. But heicha disrami avdinon. Ultimately, again, but, but where, where, let's say, Shemos says, I can see the argument of not delaying a simcha to yamtiv, right? Because in ma'arvin simcha simcha. But maybe when they naturally fall out together, that should be permitted. And along those same lines, why didn't Shlomo just simply leave a little piece of the base Hamikdash unfinished? Right? Just leave something unfinished until Sukkis. Finish it on Sukkis. And Shalom HaYisrael, now you can celebrate everything together. They will say, this is so profound. Shiyurei binyan beis hamikdash lo mishayrinon. They will say, you don't leave some part of the beis hamikdash unfinished. You don't leave some part of the beis hamikdash unfinished. So they will say, on a passionate level, because it would be disrespectful to the beis hamikdash to leave it in a state of disrepair, even for a little bit of time. I will say, but think about the incredible metaphor in this. We know again, whenever we speak about the Beis HaMikdash, we are reminded of the words, Bilvavi Mishkan Evna, right? There's the Mikdash, there's the Beis HaMikdash that sits on Harabayas. There's a Beis HaMikdash in, you know, in Shalmala, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's realm. And there's a Beis HaMikdash in my heart. So I'll say, what does the Gemara say? You don't leave a piece of the Beis HaMikdash unfinished. You don't leave it unfinished. I'll say, when we start things in life all too often, we leave them unfinished. We begin relationships, we don't really put in the requisite effort. We begin projects in life, we don't bring them to fruition. We have ideas, we have dreams, we have aspirations. We get a lot of it done, a lot of it done, but then like, you know, there's that, the last couple of finishing touches never really get done. The Gemara says, Don't leave your mikdash unfinished. Whatever you're starting, whatever is worth starting is worth finishing. Whatever is worth doing is worth doing completely and correctly. Do not leave pieces of your mikdash unfinished. Say baile the orev. So I will say, but I this one piece you can leave unfinished. I will say, amazingly enough, the beis hamikdash, the beis hamikdash had on its rooftop these very sharp metal plates. The point of the sharpened metal plates that had their points pointing upwards is that birds should not nest. On top of this, you know, like you could see, when you go to the coastal today, you know, they have the Aron those, those Aronic Kodesh that they wheel out. They have like those little metal things on top of them. That's not decorative. That's just so birds don't go ahead and nest there. So in the Beis Hamikdash, they have like these, these sharp metal plates. So why not just leave one of those, leave one of those unfinished, to which the Gemara says, Amakal Yo'orif Tzorach Binyan No, because that's also called Binyan Abayis. That's, it's not, that's not decorative. That's not extra. That's part of the Mikdash itself. Therefore, you can't leave any part of the Mikdash unfinished. So I'll say, so the idea of, so therefore, again, so I'll say, rather, the Gemara says, we learn out the concept. So it's, we're trying to bring a Raya from Shlomo HaMelech, but at the same time, it's not such a good Raya because maybe Shlomo didn't have a choice. In other words, the Beis HaMikdash was completed seven days before Sukkot. 
So because it was completed seven days before Sukkot, that's when he had an obligation to rejoice. But maybe, but maybe if you have a situation where Simchas just happened to coincide, you can go ahead and celebrate them together. Right? The Gemara says, no. Allah, there's an extra part in the Pasuk. How so? So we'll say it's interesting. The Pasuk says they celebrated for seven days and seven days, 14 days. Okay, I didn't pay that much attention in school, but I got this one, right? I don't, I, why, why do I have to say seven days and seven days, 14 days? So let's listen to this. Shmamina, hani lochot, vahani lochot. To teach us a principle that the seven days of celebration for the Mikdash and the seven days of Sukkis have to be fundamentally separate. That's what the mission is coming to teach me. Hani lochot, vahani lochot. Ein ma'arben simcha, besimcha. You cannot combine one simcha with another simcha. So the Imarus, Amra Parnach, Amra Biochanan, Osebos is beautiful. So, okay, so Osebos, just to point out, this is where we learn the concept. The idea of Ein Ma'arvin Simcha B'Simcha comes from Shlomo HaMelech, the idea that they celebrated the Mikdash for seven days before Sukkot, and then celebrated the seven days of Sukkot separately from that. Says the Gemara, Wow. Osebos say that year when they dedicated the Beis HaMikdash on the Shlomo HaMelech, they did not observe Yom Kippur as a fast day, which also makes sense if they're celebrating for seven days before Sukkot, right? What's included in seven days before Sukkot? Yom Kippur. They did not observe Yom Kippur as a fast day that year. And they thought maybe we did something wrong. Maybe we did something. We'll talk about why they didn't observe Yom Kippur. Maybe we did. Look how beautiful that is. As they were wearing a baskal, right? The heavenly voice came out and said, All of you have a portion, or literally are invited to the world. We show Abi Zochit here such a baskal like that. So, my darsh. So I'll say, why exactly didn't they observe Yom Kippur? In other words, right, what was, what was, the, what was the drasha? Right? How did they arrive at that halachic conclusion? Amru, Kavachomer, they made a Kavachomer. What's the Kavachomer? Uma, Mishkan, Shen, Kiddushah, Sekidushah, Solom, Vikarban, Yachid, Doche, Shabbos, Tisr, Skila. So I'll say, by the Mikdash, sorry, by the Mishkan, the Mishkan only has a temporal holiness, right? Does not have eternal holiness. Furthermore, again, for the dedication of the Mishkan, you had the Karbanos of the Nesim, the tribal princes which were individual offerings, and yet all of that was Docha Shabbos. All of that set aside Shabbos. And remember again, violation of Shabbos carries with it an Isra Skila. Mikdash, Dikdushaso Kiddushas Olam. The Beis HaMikdash, which has an eternal Kiddusha, the Karban, Sibor, and ultimately the offerings that are offered there are communal offerings. Yom Kippurim, the Anash Karis, Yom Kippur is, 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 an, is Karis, which again, in certain respects, is seen to be less Chamer than the Skila of Shabbos. Lakol Shekain. So I will say, essentially, if the dedication of the Mishkan set aside Shabbos, the dedication of the Mikdash should set aside Yom Kippur. Ella Amai Hayu Dogim. I so if that's the case, sounds like a pretty good Kavachomer. Why were they concerned that maybe they did the wrong thing about Yom Kippur? The Gemara says, Hasum Tzarech Kabo'ah, Hachat Tzarech Hedyot. Here was the difference. See, I will say, by the Mishkan, the violation of Shabbos, so to speak, took the form of offerings, which was a service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Here, the violation of Yom Kippur took which form? The form of Mishnah. Right? They were celebrating. They were eating and drinking. In other words, there wasn't per se a temple service that was Doche Yom Kippur, but rather, again, it was their own personal celebration. So they, they, were, they, were, they were concerned after the fact 
Maybe our personal celebration shouldn't have set aside Yom Kippur. I, the Gemara says, Umishkan de Dachi Shabbos min alon. I'm sorry. So the Gemara says, Hachanami, me avale avdu mechalo nechlo, velo lishtu. So by the Mishkan, by the Mikdash, excuse me, when they, when they consecrated the base of Mikdash, why didn't they just do so in the form of Karbanos? Why couldn't they just not eat and drink that day of celebration? And both sides, which the Gemara says, something so simple yet profound. Ein simcha, velo achila ushtia. Because there's no simcha without eating and drinking. In other words, you want people to feel simcha, there has to be food and drink. Both say incredible. Umishkan the Dachi Shabbos Minolam. How do we know, by the way, that the dedication of the Mishkan was Docha Shabbos? From where do we know that? Maybe because the Pasik says on the first day and on the seventh day. So we'll say over here, the Pasik is referring to the Pasik is referring to the, the offerings of the tribal princes. The seventh day, Elishama ben Amihud. So Pasik says a first day, seventh day. So we're assuming over here that first day means Sunday, seventh day means Shabbos. So you see that they're offering up individual karbanos even on Shabbos, which teaches us that the dedication of the Mishkan is Docha Shabbos. So Dilma Shvila Karbanos. Maybe seventh day doesn't mean Shabbos. Maybe seventh day means what? The seventh day in the order of the offerings. But maybe it doesn't mean Shabbos. To which the The Pasuk says on the twelfth day, day. So it doesn't really translate well in English. Bayom means on the 12th day of that day, or the 12th day, the day of the 12th day. So the Gemara says, why do you have to add in that extra day? Just like ultimately a day is completely continuous. As Rabbi said, there is nothing that breaks the cycle of a day. And so too, the 12 days of the dedication of the Mishkan were completely continuous, which tells us that what? That they brought these Kabbalahs and did this dedication even on Shabbos itself. Maybe it means that they only brought Kabbalahs for the Mishkan on days that were fit to bring Kabbalahs, i.e. every day other than Shabbos. Again, the Pasuk, once again, same, same thing. You see the Yom, the extra word Yom. My Yom just like a day is continuous. So to the 12 days of the dedication are completely continuous as well. Maybe it's continuous, but it's only continuous the day which is fit to bring a carbon, i.e. every day other than Shabbos. Imkain Trey Kray Lamali. Ultimately, if that's the case, then why would I need two Pesukim? So I will say, the Gemara is learning out from the extra Yom, that for the dedication of the Mishkan, the offering, even of the individual tribal, you know, princely offerings, were Docha Shabbos. So you see from me, the Mishkan, dedication of the Mishkan was Docha Shabbos. They made a Kavachomer. If the Mishkan dedication could be Docha Shabbos, I, sorry, I, said, I realized I said that wrong. Shab, right? Mishkan is considered to be more Chomer than the Mikdash. Remember, because Mikdash, Mishkan number one is not eternal, right? Mishkan number two, ultimately, again, was individual services, and Mishkan number three is Docha Shabbos, which is Skila. All of that is more Chomer. If that could be Docha Shabbos, certainly the Mikdash, which is eternal, communal offerings, and this Kares, which is considered to be a lesser form, because it's, it's not a death sentence that based in Shalmala, Shalmata, excuse me, all of that could be Docha Shabbos as well. Incredible. Umikdash the Dochi Yom Kippur Aminolon. So how do you know that the consecration of the Mikdash is Dochi Yom Kippurim Ilim Amidichsev Arba Asayom? I, because the Pasuk said fourteen days. The Dilma Yomim Haruuyim. Maybe only time that the consecration of the Mikdash 
what went on was days in which it was fit to happen. But maybe they fasted on Yom Kippur, to which the Gemara says, Gamar Yom Yom Ehasu. Make the same drush of Yom Yom from, from, from the Mishkan. Just like Yom by the Mishkan means continuous, so to Yom by the Mikdash means continuous as well. So they ate on Yom Kippur, I both say. The year that they dedicated the Mishkan under Shlomo, Mish, Mikdash, the base of Mikdash, excuse me, they, they ate and they drank on Yom Kippur. And the Baskal came out and said, you're all invited to Olam Haba. But say, how do we know that ultimately they were forgiven? Sabose, listen to how beautiful this is. On the eighth day, Sabose, so remember again, they're celebrating, they're celebrating for seven days prior to Sukkis. Then on the eighth day, right, on the eighth day, Shlomo Melech sent them home. Shalach es Ha'am. Vayivarchu es Ha'melech. Everybody blessed the king, Shlomo, before they took leave of him. They went to their tents. Happy, great, glad of heart. They were glad over all of the great things, the Tova, the good, that Hashem did for David, the servant of Hashem, and for Klal Yisrael. So the Gemara says, what does it mean they went to their tents? They found that their wives were in a state of ritual purity. In which case, again, intimacy was permitted. So they were able to be with their wives. Shenagu, Sadimar says, Smechim, they were happy. Shenanu is Vashkina. said, what it's describing over here is an incredible state of physical and spiritual joy. So there was physical joy in that, again, they were able to experience marital intimacy. There was spiritual joy because they had benefited from the Shechina. V'tove leif, and glad of heart, shekol echad ve'echad is abre ishto be'ben zachar. So he calls it an incredible miracle. That all the women who became pregnant, became pregnant with sons. And they're glad for all of, the, all of the good that was visited upon them. The good is a reference to the baskol that came out and said, you are all invited to Olam Haba. So in other words, the baskol came out and said that, that I'm happy you ate on Yom Kippur. I'm happy you drank on Yom Kippur. The celebration, your, your, your cheshpan was correct to set aside Yom Kippur for the celebration of the dedication of the Beis HaMikdash. So I was listening to this. So what does it mean that they were happy for the, for the Simcha of David, the servant of Hashem, and for Klaad Yisrael? So I understand why there was a Simcha for Klaad Yisrael. What was the Simcha for Klaad Yisrael? So of course, the most basic of Simcha for Klaad Yisrael is the Beis HaMikdash. Also the Simcha for Klaad Yisrael is that Hashem had indicated that all was forgiven for having celebrated on Yom Kippur. But what does it mean? Why is David HaMelech part of this story, right? Why is David HaMelech part of the Simcha of the Beis HaMikdash? Also, isn't how beautiful this is? So the Gemara says, When Shlomo HaMelech wanted to come into the Beis HaMikdash, so the Beis HaMikdash is complete. They wanted to bring the Aron, the Ark, into the Beis HaMikdash itself, to put it in the Holy Place, put it in the Kodesh HaKadashim. Listen to this. Davku Sha'arim Zelazeh. The gates of the Beis HaMikdash would not open. They would not open. Amr Shlomo Esrim Ve'arba Renanos. Shlomo said 24 supplications. V'lonane. He was not answered. Pasach Ve'amr Su'ushan Roshechem. V'lonane. Kevan Sha'amar. Hashem Elokim. Which Shlomo Fusobos said, can you imagine this scene? They spent, they spent all of this money, all of this time, creating and building the Beis HaMikdash. Now, finally, the culmination is the bringing of the Aron into the Mikdash. And the gates of the Mikdash will not 
open. They won't open for Shlomo. They won't open for David. Excuse me, for the Aron. What happens? Finally, Kevin Shamar Shalom Shlomach finally says, Do not turn away from the face of your anointed one. Remember me, remember me in the merit of David, your servant. As soon as Shlomo brought up, as soon as he invoked the memory of his father, as soon as he brought up David Amalach, do this in the merit of David, his feelings were answered. And Abba said, the gates swung wide open. In that moment, David Amalek's antagonists, of which there were many, of which there were many, their, their face became blackened like the bottom of a pot. David Hamelech lived his life in the shadow of the event with Bathsheba. And although Chodesh Baruch Hu forgave him, told him his forgiveness, Nasan Anovi told him you're forgiven, people, people humiliated David HaMelech over this and never believed that he was truly a chosen king and never believed that he was a father of a dynastic monarchy. In this public event where the gates only opened for the schus of David HaMelech, Everyone saw that David was forgiven. This was a moment of personalistic redemption for David HaMelech and a moment where Klal Yisrael saw in an uncontestable fashion David Malka Meshicha, that David HaMelech was truly the chosen one by HaKadosh Baruch. And I will say, it's such a tragic end to a story because sometimes you have to wait a long time to attain forgiveness. And sometimes it's even past your own lifetime that you have to wait for forgiveness. But for those who truly want forgiveness and for those who are truly willing to work for forgiveness, forgiveness always comes. You just sometimes have to be a little bit patient. Such an incredible idea. So the goes weiter. Rabbi Yonasan ben Amsev, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim, Tanu Parshas Dar, Bei Rabbi Shammai Yochai. Well, this is an incredible story. So Rabbi Yonasan ben Amsai and Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim. Rashi says he was called ben Gerim because he was a descendant of converse. They're learning the parsha of Nadarim at the house of Rashbir, Shema Yochai. If termine ba'arta, so they went ahead and they were taking leave of him in the evening. But safra hader v'kam after mine. I will say when you take leave of your rebbe, you're supposed to. You don't just walk out, right? You get you give him shalom. He gives you shalom. Gives a bracha. So they took leave of him. They took leave of Rashbi at night. The next morning, they came to take leave of him again. Amrlohu v'lav after risu. Mini ba'arta. So Rabbi Shpi said, didn't you guys say goodbye to me last night? Rabbi, you taught us, based on the Pasuk in Shlom, by Shlomo HaMelech, that even if you say goodbye to your Rebbe, you take leave of your Rebbe at night, if you end up sleeping in that same city that night, you should what? Take leave of him again the next morning. Proper darachars. Proper darachars. So the Gemara says, Amalei Lebrei. So let's listen to this. Rabbi Shabbat Yochai said to his son, Bnei Adam Halalu Anashim Shaltzurahim. These men who are learning by me, Rabbi Yonasan, Rabbi Yonasan Amsai and Rabbi Huda Ben Gerim, these are men of Tzura. It's interesting. I will say Tzura means form. Rashi says Chachamim. Tamdi Chachamim. These are Torah scholars. These are Torah scholars. Go to them and get a bracha. So I'll say, this is Rashbi saying to his son, Rebbe Lazar, go to these two Rabbanim, Rabbi Yonasan ben Amsai and Rabbi Huda ben Gerim, go to them and get a bracha. 
Good. So we'll say, so what happens? Zilagabeon deliver Sa'azal Ashkechinu de Karami Krayadadi. So Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar the son, goes and finds these two Rabbanim engaged in a Torah discussion. They're contrasting Psukim. What do the Psukim say? Ksiv. Well, this is very profound. The Pasuk over here says, Palis Magal Raglecha, the Chodrechecha Yikonu, which literally means weigh, weigh your steps, and all of your pathways should be measured. Uksiv. Orach chayim al tefales. And then the Pasik says, the pathway of your life do not weigh. Now we'll say, now what does this mean? What does this mean? So we'll say, take a look at Rashi for just a moment. Palis makal raglach. What does it mean to weigh? To weigh the pathways of your life. Kilomar shakul mitzvos va'ayin bahen ve'eza mitzvah gidol Let's listen to this. So weigh, the derech of your life means as follows. When you are faced with the opportunity to do two mitzvahs. So we'll say, which one should you do? Which one should you do? So the Pasuk says, the Pasuk says in Mishlei, weigh them. In other words, figure out which is the greater mitzvah, perform the greater mitzvah, and leave aside the other mitzvah. And then the second Pasuk says, don't weigh, right? Arachayim pentafalis, don't weigh the pathways of your life, which seems to indicate that what? Don't start choosing mitzvahs. Rather, what should you do? Whatever opportunity comes your way first, seize it. Seize it. So, so which one is it? I'll say, so which one is it? So should I, should, when two opportunities come out, should I weigh them and take the greater one, leave aside the secondary one? Or should I just take whatever comes my way? To which the Lord says, So say, now listen to this. When should you weigh it? When there are two mitzvahs, and I know that whichever one I don't do, someone else will pick up the slack. Great. Choose the greater opportunity. Choose a greater opportunity. So, right? So, the Kama Mitzvah Shalos Hosei Achirim Amit Beis Kan B'Mitzvah Shiev Shalos Hosei Achirim. The Bible says the other one is a situation of a mitzvah that cannot be done by someone else. The Bible says if a mitzvah can't be done by someone else, therefore what? Do whatever comes to your hand first. So, I'll say it's, it's, it's an incredibly profound idea. When I know that there are two opportunities and the one I don't take, someone else is going to pick up the slack. So, the Gemara says choose the greater opportunity. But when there are two mitzvahs, and again, whatever I don't do is not going to get done, in that case, don't start choosing. Just do whatever you can first. Just do whatever you can first. So incredible. I have so much to say about that, but no time right now. So the Gemara says, Hadr Yasi, the Kami Bailuhu. So we'll say, so now these two Rabbanu are still sitting and learning. Siv, Yishvuba. So we'll say, it says, it is more precious than pearls. And nothing else holds, right, is valuable when compared to it. So say, this is talking about Torah. Torah is more valuable than anything. But what it makes it sound like is, there's no material possession that is comparable to Torah. But mitzvot, perhaps, are as valuable as Torah. Then another passage says, nothing holds value when compared to Torah, which sounds like what? Even mitzvot. Even if say, by the way, what a fundamental question, right? How do you compare mitzvot to Torah, right? Are, is, are mitzvot just as powerful as Torah or, or just as important as Torah? Or are even mitzvot not as important as Torah itself? To which the Gemara says, not a contradiction. What's the same answer? When there's a choice between learning Torah and doing a mitzvah, so if there's no one else to do the mitzvah, I should put down the Torah and do the mitzvah. 
But if there's someone else to do the mitzvah, then inachinami, I could continue in my learning and allow someone else to go out and do the mitzvah. So I will say, you see this, you see this theme. This thing that like, when I know that there are other partners in the process, I can go ahead and engage in one thing to the exclusion of something else. Because I know someone else is gonna pick up the slack. But at the end of the day, when there is no other synergistic partner, I have to do whatever I need to do in the moment I need to do it. So, right, so now when there's someone else, I can start making these analyses in terms of mitzvahs. Yes mitzvah, no mitzvah, do this mitzvah, don't do that mitzvah. I can start making those shikulim. When there's no other partner, do whatever is within reach right now. Torah, mitzvahs, ultimately again, when Allah HaLemaisah, when Allah HaLemaisah, there's someone else to do the mitzvah, I can engage in the Torah. When there's no one else to do the mitzvah, close the Gemara, do the mitzvah. I will say now again, how to apply these types of concepts in real life is a bit more complicated, but Lamaisi begin to see this motif that Chazal are, are, are highlighting, which is when the job needs to get done and there's no one else to do it, do it. Do it. You, I, bigger mitzvah, smaller mitzvah, Torah mitzvah, do it. Do it. When there are other partners, then you have the luxury of kind of strategically thinking who should do what. So I'll say, Amrulay, my boy, so I'll say, so remember again, they're having this discussion, these two rabbis, I mean, who's sitting there the whole time? Rebbe Lazar, the son of Rabbi Shemba Yochai. Son of Shemba Yochai. So they turn and they say, who, who are you? Right? What, what are you doing here? Right? What are you doing? My, my boy, what, what are you doing here? Amrulahu, Damrulay, Abba, Zilgabad, Lebracha. My father told me to come and get a bracha from you. I will say, get ready for this. Amrulay, they say, you want a bracha? Here you go. Yehei Rava, the Tizrava, Lotechzad. First part of the bracha, you should be zocha to sow and never reap. Ta'ayom velo tapak, you should go in and never come out. Tepok velo ta'ayom, right? Come out and not go in. Lechrav beisach v'leisav ushpizach, your home should be destroyed and you should dwell in an inn. Lebalbel pesurach, your table should be uprooted. V'lo tehsi shasacharata, and you should never see a new year. Wow. Kiyasa legabe Rabbi Lazar comes back home. Amr so his father said, how did it go? How did it go? Right, so Amr Lomi Bai lo Father, not only did I not get a bracha, but this was like the worst experience of my life. Right, about Suri Tzurin, they gave me tzar. If they would have just said, you know, okay, fine, okay, go ahead, right? Not only did they not give me a bracha, they caused me so much pain, so much pain. Amr my Amrulach, so, so Rashbi says to his son, tell me, my son, what did they tell you? Let, let's talk this. What did they tell you? So Rabbi Loza said, I'll tell you everything. No, don't be upset. These are all brachas. These are brachas. We'll say, watch this. This is so beautiful. What does it mean you should sow and never reap? It means you will have children and your children will not predecease you. So you'll sow but you'll never reap, right? The children will be born, but ultimately, again, you'll, they'll never, right? The harvesting is a reference to death. Your children will outlive you. What does that mean? Ultimately, you'll go in and you won't come out. It means your sons will get married. And when it's customary that when a son got married, the daughter-in-law would come to live with her husband's family. It means your daughter-in-laws will come into your home and they won't leave, meaning your sons won't die. Because sometimes, if a, if a husband died, the widow didn't stay in her in-law's house. She went out. So they'll come in and they won't leave. In other words, a reference to the idea that your sons will live. What does it mean? Ultimately, again, they'll go out and they won't come in. You'll have daughters. 
they'll get married, they'll go to their in-law's house, so they'll go in to their in-law's house, and they won't come out. In other words, their husbands won't die, and your daughters won't come back home. Your home will be destroyed, and you'll dwell in an inn. This world is like an inn, and the world to come, Bahi Alma Besa. The world to come is your real home. Dixiv Kirbam Bateimoli Olam Altikri Kirbam Ella Kivram. Rabbi said the idea over here is something very profound. The idea is when they're saying that your home will be destroyed and ultimately again you'll live in an inn. What they're saying is you'll live the kind of life where your permanent domicile is not in this world. In other words, you'll live a life where you'll recognize that everything in this world is fleeting, and that ultimately, again, the only real home is the home in Olam Haba. We will say, you know, sometimes in life we get so caught up in this world that we forget that this world is but an inn. It's a hotel. It's a hotel, and there's check-in, and there's check-out, right? And I will say, in a hotel, you know, it's interesting, no one ever goes into a hotel room and says, you know what? I don't like the way this is laid out, right? I'm going to put the picture here. I'm going to move this. I brought my own towels. I brought this. In a hotel, you recognize this is temporary. This is temporary. So I'm going to enjoy it. Everyone likes staying in a nice hotel, right? So I'm going to enjoy the hotel, but I also recognize that it's temporal. And therefore, I don't really get caught up in many of the features. This world is a hotel. Do I enjoy it? Of course, I enjoy it very much. Is there much to enjoy? There's so many great amenities in the resort of life. It's fantastic, but that's what it is. It's a hotel. And there's a check-in and there's a check-out. And I both say, why do you go to a hotel? Usually go to a hotel because there's a destination you want to get to, right? The Iker is not the hotel. The Iker is where I'm going. It's the same thing in life. The Iker is not the hotel. The Iker is the destination. The destination is Olam Haba. The goal is the hotel is a fantastic base of operations, right? I want a nice hotel because I want a good place to sleep. I want a good place to eat. I want to be able to relax. But the goal is not the hotel. The goal is everything around the hotel. I will say, what an incredible metaphor. So life is the hotel. No one just stays in the hotel the whole time, right? You want to go something. You want to go somewhere. You want to do something. So that's what they said. Your home should be destroyed and you should live in a hotel. Yeah, you should live in an inn. That you should live a life where you realize you're just passing through. You're checking in, you're checking out. And the goal is to maximize the attractions of your destination, right? Don't spend all time in the hotel. Go out, do whatever you want to go out, accomplish, and recognize that the real permanent domicile is Olam Haba. Incredible. So again, close to the positive. Lebal bel pesorach, your table should be uprooted. What does that mean? Literally, it doesn't mean uprooted. It means... Your table should be a balagan, right? Your table should be a labor dig, right? Bilbo, all mixed up. First white line, bibani ubansa. You should always have children yelling at your table, right? I will say we forget that sometimes that's a bracha, right? The idea is that there should always be a commotion by your table. It means that there should always be sons and daughters by your table. What is it? You shouldn't see a new year. It means your wife should not die and you shouldn't remarry a new wife. For both sides, it's quite profound. So that you should not see a new year is a reference to your present wife dying and marrying a new wife. You, the wife that you have should be a mirror Hashem, the wife that you grow old with. So both say, how incredible, how incredible, right? So yeah, so remember again, I'll say these, these, these brachas, which look like anything other than brachas, yet most magnificent brachas given to Rabbi Lazar. So profound. Rabbi Shimon Chalafta, if terminated, Rabbi Shimon Chalafta was taking his leave of Rav, Amrlei, Avu Amrlei, Zil Gabe de Libroch. So, so listen to this. 
So ultimately, again, Roshim Chalafta is taking his leave from Rav, and he says to him, go to him to go and get a bracha. So what's the bracha? Amr le'yehei Rava, Shabi Hashem's will, delo tivayish, velo tisbayish. I will say incredible. What's the bracha? The bracha is, Shabi the will of Hashem, that you should never be embarrassed, and you should never be the cause of someone else's embarrassment. Wow. I will say, what a bracha. What a bracha. Never be embarrassed in life. And never be the cause of someone else's embarrassment. Asu, asu gabe avua. He came to his father. Amalei, my amalecha. What did he tell you? What was the bracha? Amalei milin ba'al mahuda amalei. He said to me some nice words. In other words, he wasn't so impressed with the bracha. Amalei be'rachacha birchasa de'berchan kutshabricha li Yisrael. No, you don't understand. The bracha he gave you was the very bracha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave to Kral Yisrael. The Gemara says, V'tanabe dichsev v'achaltem echov asavua v'hilaltem but say, what's the bracha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us? You should never be embarrassed. So I will say, ultimately, again, the bracha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives Klal Yisrael is that you should never be humiliated and you should never be the source of someone else's humiliation. I will say, what a profound and beautiful bracha. That's the bracha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us. And that's ultimately the bracha that Rav, Shem, that, that, that Rav gave to Shem Chalafta as well. Incredible. Ose Isha, I will say so much more to say about this, but again, let's go back to a little bit. But Ose Isha Takshita, so remember again, Mishnah said that a woman could go ahead and take care of her takshit and take care of her needs, right? Literally, again, accessories, onyam. These are, these are the takshitim of nashim. Kocheles, upokeses, umavir sakmi alpana. So I'll say ultimately again, what does it mean? It means halacha lemaisa. Actually, we'll say, you know what? We're gonna, we'll stop over here for today. We'll stop, we'll stop at this, uh, at this two dots. In Rest Hashem, stop, stop here. We're gonna pick up with the halacha concerning chalamayda. We'll say, what a way to go into Shabbos Kodesh, right? What, what a daf of Gimara. Shkoyach.